Hello and welcome into another episode of the CG Business Advisor, brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks so much for joining us here on this podcast journey, and I hope you've enjoyed several of our episodes. There's so many to choose from, 14 in fact, that you guys can listen to, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can even ask your smart speaker at home to play the CG Business Advisor podcast, and they'll do that for you. So it's pretty cool. Our last episode, we talked about selling a business. And so this episode is going to focus on the opposite side of that, which is buying a business. It's obvious. The purchase of a company is a great opportunity, but there's so much to consider and learn before you actually sign that contract. Your due diligence now can save you many headaches down the road because there's elements like financial data, organizational structure, and company assets that all come into play in determining your future profitability and growth potential. So that's what we're going to discuss here on this episode. We're going to dive into the world of buying a business, reasons, types of buyers, financials, legal parameters, unrealized tax implications, and so much more. Once again, joining me will be Eric Lubin, the chair of Lemuro Law's Commercial and General Litigation Department. Eric's been on this podcast before. You've heard him. You're familiar with him. He regularly advises and represents businesses and professionals in matters involving partner member disputes, contracts, employment controversies, regulatory violations, and a large concentration of his practice also includes transactional work for businesses, which is why he was such a great guest about selling a business, and he'll be a great guest here about buying a business. Also joining me is Walter Zemanski from Everingham and Kerr. Walter and Everingham Kerr assists clients across virtually all industries, and they offer various services, including mergers, acquisitions, uh, valuations, transaction consulting, Walter also has experience uh, working for a regional investment banking firm where he was responsible for developing leads and maintaining client relationships, as well as contributing to the due diligence process for key assignments. Walter, is this a good time to buy a business? Yes, uh, this is actually a very good time to buy a business. We are in the middle of the largest retirement period for business owners with the baby boomer generation coming to retirement age. And even with the COVID crisis, the economy has still been fairly strong and should only get better as the crisis ends. You add into that the general business environment where interest rates are very low, inflation is low, and banks are actively and eagerly looking to lend money. And you put that in with the with the overall side from the from the seller side that there are so many good businesses looking to sell and it is actually a very good environment for, for buyers. So why buy a business then instead of just starting one from scratch? When you purchase an existing business, you start generating revenue on day one because you've purchased an existing customer list. You uh, vendors are already in place. The facility is already in place. Uh, the infrastructure for running a business is in place. And maybe most importantly, the vetted, you have a vetted workforce. So from day one, even though you're writing a larger check right from the beginning, 
from day one, you're taking over accounts and you're generating income. So your return is much quicker. Eric, what are some things to think about when you're preparing to purchase a business? That's a great question. A lot of my clients will make their own business decisions in terms of why they want to purchase a business. Do they want to get into a new marketplace? Do they want to expand their services? Do they want to um, reduce competition or do they want to uh, just change industries and potentially produce different income streams than what they currently have? And what I always tell a client is make sure that you use an attorney and an accountant from the very beginning. The due diligence that's required to purchase a business is substantial. And unlike the seller of a business who hopefully will be paid and be on their way, the purchaser of a business has the product and will be um, operating this business or breaking it up or doing something different later on. So due diligence and using professionals is the biggest stressor I make um, when preparing to purchase a business. But I'm sure there are legal issues to consider, right, before you get going. Absolutely. So the biggest issue that I always tell a purchaser is you have to worry about what liabilities are unknown to you or that you're inheriting. There's um, differing legal theories about respondent superior and successor liabilities. And I just want to make sure that my purchaser knows that depending on the type of transaction, you may be inheriting claims and liabilities that are known or unknown unknown because they haven't been made yet because we have a statute of limitations in New Jersey, which is a time frame where you have to bring a lawsuit um, that is as long as six years. And that statute of limitation may not even begin to start running until you discover the, an injury. So I tell a client when purchasing a business, be prepared that the prior operator may have caused liabilities and damages. And during the due diligence period, we have to do our best to uncover them. And I also stress to my clients that when working with an accountant, we want to talk about a business purchase structure that may not include a stock sale where we just may be buying the assets of a business so that we can limit our exposure to pre-existing liabilities. Walter, how would someone go about finding a business to purchase? Well, we would advise hiring an M&A consultant such as Everingham and Kerr. Uh, Reason being, business owners can, can, can search for a business on their own. If they're doing it during work hours, they're taking time away from generating revenue for themselves. And at the end of the day, if you're, if you're doing it at night or you're trying to do it on your own time, you're taking away from family time and so forth. Plus, for somebody just out of the blue to contact a business whether it's an email or a letter or a phone call and say, Hey, I'm interested in buying your business. You know, let's talk. That comes with, you know, some, some doubt, some trust issues. Who is this person? Why, why are they calling me? Is this real? Whereas if you have a consultant who does this all day, every day with a 30 plus year history, contact you a business owner will look at this and be more open to talking about it and trusting that this is actually a, a real opportunity and there might be something behind it. 
Yeah, I'd probably hang up on the person that said they wanted to buy my business, just thinking it was a, a you know, a cold call or something like that, you know, a robo call. Yeah. Uh, like that, like they're trying to reach me about my car's extended warranty. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, I'm not interested. Uh, oh, so- <laughs> I got, I got, I got to be honest. When I when I owned my business, you know, I grew up in a family business and and owned a business all the way through with 30 employees until about 2008. Um, I got those emails and well, not emails back in you know 90s. It was more letters and phone calls once a week, once every two weeks, and I threw them straight out. They might have been legitimate or not, but I always just perceived it as a scam. That's 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 the truth of the matter, though. Eric, what legal paperwork is usually included in this type of transaction? Like, are there certain documents that you need to ask the seller for? So the legal documents that will typically exist um, consist of, at the beginning, a letter of intent, which is just simply a letter that outlines what the proposed transaction will be. It's basically we want to look at your business and we want to purchase your business and you want to sell your business at this price, assuming everything checks out. So that letter of intent will usually be non-binding and will usually contain what's called an exclusivity clause because that's something that the seller, uh, excuse me, the buyer will want the seller to enter into. So during the time that the buyer is looking at the seller's business, he doesn't have to compete with other offers and what he thinks will be the agreed upon purchase price, assuming the financials and, and the other legal documents support it, is what he will ultimately pay. So after the letter of intent is executed, just memorializing the very, very general um, terms of what a proposed agreement will be, then the seller will typically want the buyer to execute a non-disclosure agreement, which is an agreement that requires the buyer not to disclose any information that it learns during the due diligence process, which can include proprietary information about the seller's financials, its contracts, its client lists, its relationship with its employees, patents, trade secrets, all those secretive financial documents and financial uh, intellectual property that have value. So once the buyer is convinced that the product and the business is as advertised, then depending on the type of transaction, we will enter into the asset purchase agreement if it's an asset sale, a membership or stock purchase agreement, depending on what type of uh, sale or entity uh, that we're dealing with. If it's not going to be a full cash purchase, meaning the full purchase amount at closing, then we will typically enter into a series of uh, agreements such as a security agreement, a promissory note, a stock pledge agreement, and escrow agreement, agreements that allow the the buyer to make a deposit and pay over time and the seller to be comfortable that it has security in case the buyer defaults on the purchase price over time. And then we will have a closing. And at the closing, we will have a bill of sale and a a closing um, disclosure. And a lot of times we'll also have post-closing documents that describe restrictive covenants and continuing obligations of both parties. All right, so let's talk about the buyer now, and let's break that down a little further. What are some things to consider when you're interested and looking at a specific business? The the two main things to look at really is, one, the profitability of the business. For you as a buyer, your confidence that this business will be profitable moving forward and that that the profitability of the business is not just 
dependent on that particular owner because of their personal relationships that might be dissolving during when the transition happens. Um, you have to make sure that profit level works within your needs. What, what are your required returns on a business? Do you need at the end of the day to have a salary and 10%, $100,000 salary and 10% returns on the business? Do you need more than that? So you, a buyer needs to kind of understand that going into the process of what do I need to take out of this on a, on a yearly basis? The second part of that is the actual, I guess, longevity of the business. And, and looking at the future returns of that business. Yes, this, this company might be good for the next two or three years, but I need a job and I need to own a business for 10, 15, 20 years. Is this a, an industry and is this a, a business that, that can carry on for that amount of time? Mm. For example, you know, buying a, uh, buying a, blockbusters uh, franchise uh, in the late 90s or whenever they started, you know, having their decline was not a good business investment. Mm -hmm. So you need to look at where technology is moving, where the industry is moving and make sure that your business and your industry is going to be viable and also growable over the next period of time. Business owners should also look at the at the family life considerations if they're married, if they have if they have children. What are you looking at from a daily commute? Uh, how much required business travel is going to be with owning this business? Uh, weekly work hours expected. The impact on your family. I mean, we all uh, we consider that you know very as important as part of the deal. If if you have a family, is to make sure that you you look at all of these considerations. Eric, let me get back to you. Uh, what are some common pitfalls that people need to be aware of here? So the biggest pitfall that I typically see when representing a purchaser is that the purchaser um, artificially believes that they have to close the purchase as quickly as possible and that the roles that the lawyer and the accountant play uh, are kind of ancillary to the actual purchase. And when you rush a transaction like this, you run the risk of um, purchasing something different than what you expected. And that will include not reviewing all of the documents and contracts of the company that you're purchasing. You may think that you can engage into a different uh, marketplace or, or break it up. And the contracts themselves that the business has that exist with its current clients won't permit it or that potentially the prior owners had misrepresented the financials, taken more out than um, they should have or increased their income through benefits that they, shouldn't have, that they shouldn't have. And there may be liabilities now that flow through to the new purchaser because they weren't uh, disclosed and really reviewed prior to purchasing it. Also, um, not taking the time to make sure that the legal documents are up to par. For example, uh, there usually is a pretty substantial negotiation period with a lot of back and forth edits. And if a purchaser just wants to push the deal through and doesn't require disclosures and warranties and restrictive covenants of the seller and doesn't want to go through the negotiation period, 
the purchaser could basically buy a competitor out only to have that competitor right com compete right back. Um, there may, may be an exodus of employees and clients because you didn't take the time to make sure that the employees have a, uh, employment agreements, that they have restrictive covenants, that they will actually continue working for a new purchaser, and the same with clients. So rushing the due diligence period is one of the biggest pitfalls I see. And another big pitfall I see is not requiring the seller to obtain some period of, of tail post-closing insurance. That's because if the seller engages in conduct that um, could cause a liability to flow with the company to the new purchaser, uh, you're then going to have to sue a seller potentially. And that seller may not have the assets to satisfy whatever liabilities the purchaser obtains. So having that insurance in place to making sure that you have restrictive covenants that prevent the seller from competing against you or from using the proprietary information that you just purchased are critical to protect the business that you purchased moving forward. Now, in terms of the value that you're going to put on the business, the value that you're going to offer, how do you come up with that value to make a legitimate offer to purchase a business? Again, this is where having, you know, we would say a, a consultant working for you helps tremendously. We work with our with our client, our buy side client, and also with their advisors, uh, their attorneys and, and CPAs and so forth to analyze the current financials of a, we'll call it a target company, a company that you are looking at. And then what we do is we spread out those numbers and we go through and find uh, you know, what the, what the EBITDA is, for example, which is the earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. And we come up with a real net income for the business. We then look at that existing business, talk with the, with the person selling the business, look at any addbacks, uh, personal business related that really don't need to be there that might add to the bottom line. You know, a, a business of five people that decides to have their corporate meeting every year in Hawaii, and that's an $18,000 trip, that's not really necessary. And you could add that back to the profit of the company if you wanted to as a new, as the new owner and make the company more, more, uh, more profitable. Mm -hmm. We take all that into consideration and then we do market analysis. Uh, from both our point of view, which is looking at our past transactions and understanding the industries, we work in many different industries. We're not, we're not, you know, focused on any one particular industry. And we typically average somewhere around 25 deals a year. So we have a lot of data internally on actual deals done that we know the true numbers and nothing's been fudged or changed around. So we have a strong, view of where this business should sell for or should be bought for in a in a range. Then we look at current market conditions and we we look at projected future. You see, you know, we're we're rolling into a, a recession. Okay, that's going to impact your business also or just an economic downturn. And you know, we make recommendations on, well, that's going to lower the value of the business because you're not going to get the returns that you're looking for. And we come up with a range where we feel the value, a proper value of the business should be. 
And then it is up to the buyer to submit a, a value that they feel it is worth for them. Uh, some buyers need the return right away and they need to buy it for as low as possible. Others actually need, have the, the need of this particular target business for their existing operations. And they're willing to pay up a little bit for it because they know they're going to get the returns on it. But that's a personal decision that needs to be made, you know, using a consultant and a buyer's other uh, trusted advisors. Eric, you had mentioned insurance earlier. Uh, what are some ways that a buyer can protect themselves in a situation like this? So uh, what a buyer can do is work. First, um, avoid what's called a stock or ownership interest sale, if possible. And that has its own tax ramifications that we will typically go through with our accountants in the tax difference between just purchasing the assets of a business versus the stock or membership interest. Because typically, in a former employee who may have a harassment claim or um, you know another another entity that had a business dispute with the business that you're purchasing, if you don't purchase the actual business and just the assets of the business, then typically the liabilities will remain with the business and remain with the seller while the purchaser has just purchased the meat, purchased the valuable assets of it. And that's something that we, we will typically look at as a first strategic transaction method, if it's possible. In terms of insurance requiring um, the seller to maintain tail insurance, meaning insurance that exists after he's no, he or she is no longer an owner uh, against maybe uh, employee lawsuits, business disputes to the extent that they involve advertising or um, anything that may be covered by insurance, uh, general liability insurance that would cover you know, personal injury or property damage that occurs at the premises. Having those insurances in place at levels that you're comfortable with are critical because if you pay a seller and that seller quickly transfers the purchase proceeds or uses the money and, and spends it very quickly or is, was already in debt and used the purchase money to pay off their debt, then you may then have to look to a seller who doesn't have assets, who, does, who personally may not have the money to pay off the debt that you didn't know or the liabilities that you didn't know were traveling with the business. And that may not be uh, the new purchaser's fault or the new purchaser's obligation. So having money available through insurance policies of the seller to ensure actions and events that occurred prior to the purchase is a critical way to, to make sure that you're going to be protected if there's ever any undisclosed liability that arises after closing. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, anything else uh, that the buyer can do to protect themselves? Take their time and make sure that the buyer, make sure that you have taken the time to really look through the financials, to really, as much as possible, talk to your professionals and find out whether you just want to purchase the business or the assets, whether the clients will follow you, whether the employees will follow you, um, whether there's any other contract that exists out there uh, that would prevent the buyer from using their business, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a merger, whatever it is, whether it's just a get to a new marketplace that would that would violate any other contract or restrict your ability to use your new business. Taking your time and really doing your due diligence is critically important. Nobody would buy a house without an inspection. Um, 
and you hire professionals to do that inspection. So I give the same advice to, to purchasers of business. Eric, great information as always. Uh, once again, may, uh, tell the audience where they can find you and more about Lemura Law. Sure. So Lemura Munson, Comer Brown in Shotland. We're located at Four Paragon Way, Suite 100 in Freehold, New Jersey. I'm the chair of the Commercial and General Litigation Department. My direct dial, you can call me at any time and speak to me, is 732-414-0311. And my email is E-L-U-B as in boy, I-N, at L-O-M-U-R-R-O-L-E-W.com. And I'm happy to speak to you today. Thanks so much, Eric. My pleasure. And Walter, where can people go to find more information about yourself and more information about Everingham and Kerr and the services that you provide? Probably the easiest place is to go to our website, uh, everkerr, E-V-E-R-K-E-R-R.com. Uh, people can also find me on LinkedIn. I like to put out uh, articles and posts uh, every couple of weeks um, with different advices and recommendations and things that we're seeing for business owners on both sides, both buyer and seller. Uh, we also have a monthly distribution list of opportunities we have out there of businesses for, for sale. Uh, both regional to the New Jersey area, as well as we, we have clients all across the country. So that would really be the best way to, to first uh, engage and, and uh, through, the, through the website or through LinkedIn. You can also get my, my email address, which is wjs at com, And I'm more than happy to always uh, have conversations. Great stuff, Walter. Yeah, people should get their hands on that hot list that you distribute because that's a good way to find some interesting leads on businesses. I, I, I would recommend that. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Some really great information from both Walter and Eric. And Eric is actually going to be co-presenting a free webinar this week, March 17th at 9 a.m. with CG's Don Cowan and Michael DeMola covering all of the details of purchasing a business, including the myriad of reasons to buy types of buyers as well as sellers, financials, legal parameters, unrealized tax implications, and so much more. And to watch that webinar, you could visit cgteam.com slash cg-webinars to register. Again, it's free. And it's this week on March 17th at 9 a.m. And for all of the webinars at CG, you can simply head to cgteam.com slash cg-webinars to watch some of the previous information sessions. Thanks once again for listening to the CG Business Advisor. This podcast is brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I'm Scott Seidenberg. If you have any questions about your podcast practices or if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can feel free to reach out to me, info at scottsonair.com. It's S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the CG Business Advisor wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or even ask your smart speaker at home to just play the CG Business Advisor podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.